Welcome to Ours is the Fury, our fourth episode so far. We have a lot uh, to discuss this week. We're going to review two different games and preview two more. So I welcome you on board. And uh, here's Ryan on my left. Hello. And Blocksmith on my right. Salutations. And also it's my great honor to introduce Kendra, who not only is our producer and sound technician, but she's also been uh, in the background and giving us advice. And now she's finally on the pod herself. So. Welcome, the president of Stony Monday Riot. Hi. <laughs> All right, so the first thing we should discuss is the 4-0 victory of the Ottawa Fury against the Railhogs. The first victory. Yeah, and what a victory it was. Started off with uh, terrible weather, you know, cold and rainy, and I was just in a miserable mood and thought, oh my God, like, I hope we can draw. But uh, Minatel uh, scored a hat-trick and... Um, assisted another goal and it was just all together an amazing experience watching this team they were playing like the best that I've ever seen them and it was just a joy to watch them and I, I brought some friends along who hadn't seen the Fury game uh, before and they were really impressed and they want to be back so I'm ecstatic about it yeah I'm pretty happy for the win uh, just a huge win 4-0 against Carolina didn't did not expect that at all did not expect. Uh, I was hoping for a draw, honestly. I was hoping if we could sneak out with a point, it would have been great. Uh, Ubi Povich was back. I think that was a huge difference. He's just a game changer, that guy. Um, there's some beautiful plays by Donatelli, of course, because he's a beautiful man making beautiful I plays. I have to say I was quite impressed with Donatelli. I, I've been reading some uh, game reviews from the various media outlets and stuff, and no one really highlighted his, uh, his performance very much, but... Like, I was sort of paying extra attention to him just because, you know, he's noticeable with his hair. and he's so beautiful. <laughs> he does his hair very well. Indeed. And, like, I don't think he made, like, a single mistake. Uh, like, every time he got the ball, he distributed it well. He had some good ideas, uh, you know, how to uh, move the ball up to the final third. And, yeah, yeah. really One, great performance by him. I think uh, uh, to, to overvalue the uh, team... Like, the team just played really well. There was absolutely no communication issues I saw. Everyone was just on the same page. And they, just, they played the ball well, and they played it to space. And they were able to, uh, to play really well. And it was good to see them win and win that way against a really, really good team. Yeah, and we've never seen them string so many passes together. I mean, I think we were, like, when we were doing, like, the ole and the stance... <laughs> You know, like I think at, some, at one point they had like 20 passes in a row, yeah. which is like way more than all the other games we've seen. Yeah, I counted 15 OLAs, I was counting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I'm over-exaggerating a little no, bit. No, I think, well, we started after five passes. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think we should also mention uh, Philip Davies, who also scored a goal. Of course, Minitel had his uh, hat trick, but um, Davies also was doing well, and he got 
he got a really good goal as well. So. Yeah, Davies, uh, something to think about is how Davies did in uh, Vancouver. He never got much playing time under Rennie, and uh, he was a good player, and he was really disposable for, for Vancouver. And, and now in Ottawa, he's, he's really starting to shine. He's, he plays really well. Yeah, you really got to love the, the approach that Mark uh, Dos Santos is taking. I mean, he started five Canadians, and he talked a little bit about this after the game and um, saying, you know, we're beating a, a North American team there with five Canadians starting and that we can be competitive. And you just got to love that, and you got to hope that, that other teams in Canada are going to emulate this this approach to, to um, use young players, to use Canadian players, and still try to be competitive. I think where we see a, a lot of Canadians is defensively. They played really well uh, last game. Uh, Becky and Mason Trafford and Fresenga came on, and Fresenga did a really good job against Elizondo. He was probably the Carolina's best player. And Becky's really good at shutting people down as well. He's He played a really impressive game uh, against Carolina, but also against Edmonton. I noticed that he was he was always there and always ready. Yeah, and I think from all the central back partnerships we've seen so far, I like this one the best. I mean, they just seem quicker than Jeroen is at times. You know, yes, Jeroen is big and he has that presence, but like he just seems slow and out of place a lot. So I just find this Canadian partnership, they seem to have better chemistry. I like it a lot better. I'm hoping to see that again against Edmonton, actually. Yeah, and it was also good to see uh, Hayworth up front as the lone striker. Uh, yeah, although I have a mixed opinion about, about him being the lone striker up there because, yes, he was he was um, um, playing some, some good balls up there and uh, he looked good whenever he did get possession, but I thought he was having difficulty getting some access to some of those long balls, um, like especially from goal kicks and, and just clearances and stuff. He would always lose those 50-50s in the air simply because he lacks the height. Like he's yeah. he's quite a small guy. So I really think we're going to be improved a lot when Heinemann is there. And also there were two or three chances uh, where crosses came in and he simply was too short to connect with them. Yeah, it's definitely it's definitely a position the strike position is definitely Heinemann and Dantes. They definitely play well there. I think Hayworth probably doesn't feel as comfortable on the wing, but I think he's He's a lot more suited to it, playing in space and running at uh, defenders. Yeah, unless the only other way I could see it work is if they played with some kind of false nine or something, you know, just like a little quirky striker. But I can't see him as like a target man. No, definitely, he's too. He's, he doesn't have the height. There was a couple of times uh, on Saturday's game where the ball went right over his head, like it was just, and it was a good service and everything, but it's just he just didn't connect with it. So it. We get Tommy back, and then we put Hayworth out on the wing. It could do some damage. Donatelli, maybe keep him in there. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> uh, but anyway, like I don't want to be too harsh on on Hayworth because I loved him playing the PDL, and I'm just really glad that he's seeing so much playing time uh, in his first. Uh, uh, well, it's not really his first professional season, is it? No, I think it's his first professional contract because at, at Montreal yeah. Impact, he never really um, was part of the the team in the end. So um, let's uh, look at the uh, Carolina uh, Railhawk side for a second. And, and um, are there any players that stood out at all? Like one player that I did notice was the number seven. What's his name? Uh, is it uh, Elizondo? Yeah, Cesar Elizondo. Yeah, he looked quite good there on the wing. Like he sometimes he dribbled past three or four Ottawa Fury defenders, but 
really they didn't they weren't able to create too many chances simply because our defense stood tight and um i mean i have to say i was a little i was expecting uh carolina to be a lot better than than what they showed maybe they had some trouble with the conditions uh, what do you guys yeah, think maybe the conditions are and this the playing surface i don't think looked very well yeah in the first half players were slipping <laughs> a couple fell yeah, but I did see one of the Fury players saying that the pitch is better when wet. Like that, this was actually an advantage to them. Like they they find that the the ball, the ball moves faster exactly, and they just they like to play it better when it's when it's wet. So there's that. But yeah, other than that, there's not really any uh, Railhawk player that blew me away. No, I thought uh, the goalkeeper Kira Fitzgerald had a terrible game. Yeah, on yeah, that on that uh, <laughs> Oliver Minatel volley, that that really beautiful goal that he scored, like where was the keeper on that? Like the ball was in the air forever, yeah. like on both occasions when he when Minatel was receiving the ball and also when he kicked it. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's only listed at five nine, and I think it really limits him going for those long balls and uh, grabbing set piece balls. Like he's not real suited for that position. Like maybe he shouldn't have been a goalkeeper, is what you're saying? Like he should have picked a different well, career. Or? Five nine is ridiculously short for a goalkeeper. Like, yeah. You got to go for those balls and on, on penalty kicks. Yeah, but maybe he has reach. NBA legs. You know, yeah. maybe you can. I mean, it's all right if you're Jorge Campos, <laughs> but I, there's not a lot of keepers under six feet. So Carolina, they've had a pretty big overhaul, right? Like it's not the same team that had like the best overall record uh, last season. No, they lost Schreiber was the biggest loss for them, right? Uh, we seen them play last night with Tampa Bay, and they in a losing effort. But uh, yeah, and he's he's still he's still one of the better players in the league, like one of the top five for sure. All right, and uh, so uh, we were all in the stadium, but uh, we've heard that NASL Live screwed up again this week. Apparently, uh, the stream didn't work at all. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> no, we're being dubbed as Test Pattern FC. Test Pattern <laughs> FC. You saw that online. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of frustrating because this is like, I normally don't re-watch games, you know, because there's so much other football I like to watch. But this particular game, I just want to watch the goals yeah, again and yeah, like, check out what the yeah. atmosphere was like, but it's it's simply not there. Yeah, and I feel bad for, uh, I heard the Tri-City soccer supporters all jumped and, you know, they all went to a bar and they had the whole thing and no feed. Oh, like, yeah, think terrible. how terrible that is. Like, we all go down to a bar, watch a game, take time out. This, is, then, a, this is a paid service this year. Yeah, and plus it's a paid service. I, I think yeah. it was better last year and, like... It's kind of unexcusable to, to ask 30 bucks per season and then like have complete outages. Yeah. But I mean, it can only get better and, and hopefully they sort this stuff out soon. Um, <clears throat> did the NSL Live actually cover the Edmonton game uh, last Wednesday or was that just on no. the Canadian... Canadian Soccer, Soccer Association there. And uh, it was also on Rogers 22. I don't know if the game this upcoming Wednesday, the second leg of the Voyagers Cup, if, if it's going to be on Rogers 22, but I hope so. <laughs> I hope so, too. I heard the stream was pretty bad. That yeah, too. but that's a whole different company doing that stream. So. I see. So, of course, we played Edmonton uh, last Wednesday. The score was 0-0, and I would have to say before yesterday's game, that was the best game we've seen put on uh, by the Fury up to that point. Yeah, it was the best uh, 
they're just getting better and better every game. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for next Wednesday. Like, they just need the one goal, right, in Edmonton. Yeah, 1-1 one, one would be fine. Because Edmonton can't score. Everyone no. knows that. So, what well, they've had one goal this season so far in three games. Yeah. Yeah, they're last in the league right now with, with one point and one goal. Yeah. And we were coming off a 4-0 win, so um, we should uh, hopefully win next week. But let's talk about the, that game uh, that, that just occurred on Wednesday. What do you guys think? How uh, Was it a deserved result for the Ottawa Fury? Yeah, it was really cold, from what I remember. <laughs> it was very cold. <laughs> I couldn't feel my hands at the end. <laughs> it was no. also like a really rough game, and it was kind of nice to see like some sort of rivalry happening already. Like, uh, there was quite a few yellows and lots of fouls, um, and it was just like a really rough game. Both teams were working really hard, I think. Yeah, there was six yellows in total. Uh, Ottawa got four yellows. Uh, Edmonton uh, earned two yellows, but very physical game. Uh, looking forward to seeing the battle on Wednesday. Yeah, there was like a kind of a tiny brawl or just like something broke out in the uh, in the Edmonton penalty box, which was kind of hard to follow from the stands. But I was reading the Twitter feed later on, and like I, th I think uh, on the stream it was more apparent what was going on, and some people were saying there should have been red cards. But it's it's hard for me to judge because I, I haven't rewatched the game. Like, how did you guys see that incident? I saw uh, Hayworth was going into the box, and the defender looked like he tackled him and kind of rubbed his face in the turf, and they got up, and then Philip Davis came over to the crowd and pushed somebody down. But yeah. That's all I saw. So. Once again, these guys are standing up for each other. Yeah, yeah. It was a really chippy game. It was a really good game to watch. And of uh, of course, uh, probably the play of the of the game was uh, in in the dying minutes when when. I can't remember which Edmonton player had that shot on goal, but it was like just saved by by Gorick, and uh, you could probably say that this was like the save of of his season so far. I mean, save of the franchise history so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Conceding that goal would have been really tough for them going back to Edmonton next uh, this week. Yeah, for sure. Someone should get a screenshot of Gorick like flying through <laughs> the air because it was it was amazing. For sure. So yeah, and I thought um, uh, Edson Edward, the Ottawa native who uh, graduated from the Ottawa Fury youth program and also played in the Ottawa Fury PDL team, had a pretty good game. Um, some of his relatives were actually in the stands with us. Uh, would be kind of nice if he uh, came back to the Fury at some point and uh, played for for his home team, eh? Well, you always want your home home guys playing at home, but you know, yeah, best luck to him, like. He's kind of traveled a little bit. He played with the uh, Puerto Rico Islanders, and he was with someone in the MLS. I'm not sure who. So uh, hope, hopefully he just finds a home, gets lots of playing time, gets good, just build up the national team. I don't, I don't care where these guys play, actually, as long as they get playing, they time. Get playing time. Yeah, Yeah. another Canadian guy I saw, uh, he, got, he got subbed on late, was uh, Frank Jonke. He was playing striker. He was a big guy, and he was fast. And he, I think he caused uh, the defense a lot of problems in the second half, and he almost scored. I don't know if he shot that ball that Gork saved, but he had a lot of opportunities. Why do you think he wasn't played from the start? Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe just uh, conditioning-wise. Maybe something to do with our awful pitch, but then again, the Edmonton <laughs> pitch is terrible as well. Yeah, so. it's just as bad. Yeah. Another player who I thought was really exciting was uh, Hansen Boakai, the 17-year-old, you know, quirky little guy. Um, 
obviously still needs to toughen up a bit, but quite impressive. You know, he made his debut in the NASL at 16 years old. I think he was the youngest player ever to do so. And uh, as part of my work for Canucks Abroad, I obviously um, uh, researched a little bit uh, what he did uh, on his trial in Fortuna Düsseldorf, which is, of course, the, the team that Samuel Piet is playing for right now. And it looks like he might be taking a similar path to go uh, into Europe and play maybe for the reserve team and then, you know, gradually might be moved up to, to the first team. Uh, we don't know for sure where he's going yet, but I think that would be like an, a neat thing for him to do. And he's he's just great to see and... He had some moments where he was dribbling by lots of players and he was doing, like, fancy shit. Like, I, I like this player a yeah, lot. Yeah, there's a movie he did on the first half. I think it was for Senga and Ryan were shutting him down and he just put the ball through him and the whole crowd just went, oh, just, wow. Just amazed with that move. Early on, yeah. And then there were other scenes, though, where he was, like, easily wrestled off the ball just because he sort of doesn't have the physique yet. Like, he's not fully developed yet, but I think this can still come. He's, uh, he's pretty short. He should probably try out for the Carolina Railhawk goalie. <laughs> you know what? Like, he kind of, like, Hansi Elias on our team sort of reminds me of him. Like, they're, they're, they're similar type of player, I find. They're both yeah. sort of short but fast on the wing and, and can dribble the ball, but they're both, like, unfinished products. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be nice to see Hamza out uh, playing because I'm really excited to see what he can bring. Yeah, he, he, of course, didn't play on, on Saturday. Um, but, yeah, hopefully we'll see more from him. And, and I saw uh, in the Edmonton game on Saturday, um, uh, Hansen Bokai was also playing. I'm not sure if he played from the start. or was. I think he might have been subbed in later on. But it's good that he's, he's seeing playing time in Edmonton. And I'm definitely going to continue following his, his path. So um, we got a listener question from Theo Gauthier at M-I-M-G-L-O-W. <laughs> and he said, three games in, with some matches played in bad weather, attendance has been good. What happens in the sun at Lansdowne? Well, I think it only improves. I, I don't think the Fury have really marketed this season particularly well. I think they're waiting until they get to Lansdowne. And I know from speaking from people who, uh, who are soccer fans but are not hardcore Fury fans, and I ask them, when they're going to go, and they always tell me they're going to wait for it to get to Lansdowne. Yeah, I hear that yeah, response I, a lot, too. I hear too. that a lot, a lot, as well. Because they want to have that experience of sitting in a proper stadium, in a newly built stadium. I'm just worried that, you know, we'll have, like, 8,000 people, which is a lot for us, and then it looks empty still because it's, you know, the stadium with the, with the biggest uh, seat number in the entire league, so... Yeah, we're going to have, by far, the nicest stadium, but... Uh, everyone's been really positive about all the numbers. I think the Edmonton game was only twenty one hundred though, and uh, and I, I I don't know like it's one thing we're selling this place out thirty four hundred every you know these six games the five league games and one uh, Canadian Open Cup no <laughs> the Voyagers Cup <laughs> I'm half American no, I'm just kidding but yeah he um, loves the Sounders and he loves the oh, I love the Sounders <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I, everyone's like super positive about the attendance, but it, it kind of worried me. A couple games, 2,100, 2,400. Like, the place holds 3,400, and it's not like it's in Canada. It's right in the center of the city. So. But at the same time, like, it was really terrible weather, and it was raining and cold and stuff. So if we can get that many people for really not great conditions, it should be much better. 
later on. Yeah, I agree. Like I'm having so much fun already watching the the Fury and, and just being out there in the stands. Like the weather doesn't even bother me. But combine that with like a nice Sunday or Saturday afternoon with beautiful weather, and you know the beer just tastes so much better when you you know it's not freezing your hand off. So <laughs> I can't wait for for. Uh, for the summer season to begin and of course we have the world cup you know to to keep us busy during the break it's going to be a great summer soccer wise i mean sparky the mascot didn't even show up last game <laughs> yeah, it was too cold for that's him true. he probably didn't want to ruin the the his costume <laughs> would shrink sparky <laughs> <laughs> yeah so one thing about this game in edmonton that i i thought was a little bit it's totally unrelated to what we're talking about but uh finally got some coverage on the front page of the Ottawa Citizen. There was like a little corner and it said, Fury earned their first point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is kind of silly in a, in a, in a competition where you're not in the, there are no group stages and you can't collect any points. I mean, the Ottawa Citizen, like, I applaud their efforts, but it just shows that whoever like, is writing for them, uh, they, they have not a single clue about soccer and they make a lot of silly mistakes like this. The sun has been much better, for sure, and uh, but still the the media coverage overall has been really good. Like I went to the Canadian Tire the other day, and there was someone sitting down in the auto center, and he was like reading the sports section, and like on the first page it was all about the Ottawa Fury, and it just made me smile and happy. Yeah, Ledois's been doing a good job too, uh, covering covering the Fury. They actually have two reporters. I don't know their names, but they've been covering. There's a lot of articles online. Yeah, and of course, Chris Hoffley is, I, I, in my view, probably by far the, the best journalist out there right now. Like, I, I, you just saying that because he was our guest a couple weeks ago? <laughs> yeah, I, I told him if he was going to be the guest, that I, would, I would tell everyone that he's the best. I see how it works. <laughs> yeah, no, he's been doing a great job, for sure. So, uh, why don't we take a break here and uh, discuss our upcoming games next? Welcome back, guys. So there's two uh, matches that we're going to discuss now, the next coming up. Of course, uh, last week was quite a busy schedule for us. We had three uh, home games in a row. The next two games will be away, which will all give us a nice break because uh, soccer has sort of been taking over our lives. And it's for me, it's kind of kind of hard to explain to my partner. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of quite happy to have a... A little less uh, fury programming, but let's discuss this game, uh, the second leg of the Voyagers Cup. As we said before, all we really need is that road goal. As long as we don't lose and we score a goal, we're good. Yeah, we just need to get the one goal. Uh, Edmonton, they do score at home, but they they rarely get more than one or two. I don't I don't know even if they ever have. Yeah, they're definitely very hard to score on, but we're an offensive team, and I believe that we can score a goal. We just have to avoid the loss. Any tie is good for us. As long as we stay tied, it'll be perfect. Of course, a 0 0 tie would lead to extra time and then so penalties, penalties, which anything could happen at that point. Well, Gork will save us. It's okay. Oh, we should talk a little bit about Gork. We haven't done so in the, in, the, in the first part. I think he's a good keeper, but there's like one thing I've noticed about him that irritates me is like when he receives back passes. Like, he just takes way too much time, and instead of putting it somewhere smartly, he just, like, boots it anywhere where, he, like, 
just sometimes out of bounds and yeah. that that worries me a little bit like for a uh, for a modern goalkeeper you kind of you know expect even at this level of the game to be to be a player who 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 can pass the ball and distribute it just as well as an outfield player yeah i'm not sure what uh, i really think about gork he had that amazing game and that amazing save against edmonton but the the two games prior he was a bit shaky uh yesterday's game didn't get a lot of work so do you think we'll see a bush in that, or do you think it'll be a... Gork? No, I think we're going to ride with Gork. Yeah, just keep going, keep winning, keep the same. Yeah, maybe at the end of the spring season, if we're not in a mix, maybe they'll throw DeBellis in. I'd like to see him play. Yeah, for sure. You'll, you'll probably be just as critical of him as, as we've learned today. You're uh, very critical about goalkeepers, blocksmiths. So. Yeah, I'm not a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> not a fan of goalkeepers. <laughs> blocksmiths. I am too short to be a goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a it's a personal thing. <laughs> In terms of style of what the teams are going to be playing, I mean, it's going to be probably pretty much a repeat of uh, of the first leg. Although I would imagine that Edmonton are going to be a little bit more offensive. They they have to open up. They can't play like that. Like they have to, someone has to open up. It's like uh, going out on a date and everyone's got their hands folded the whole time. Like these guys, they got to do something. Something has to happen. Yeah. So uh, it, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. Um, the game is, of course, this Wednesday. I believe it's at 9.30 uh, Ottawa time, which is probably 7.30 uh, uh, Edmonton time. Yeah, I don't know if uh, the team is going to have a viewing party at the Heart and Crown. It's maybe something to check the Ottawa Fury website about. Um, I know one of the supporters groups, the Bytown Boys, where they usually watch games of the Black Irish. Um, they're worried about it being open late. And uh, Stony Monday Rider, I'm gonna be watching it down at uh, Original Burger on Bank Street. So, yeah, I'm probably gonna go to that for sure. Okay, so we have a listener question. Um, with Saturday's results, are the Fury favorites to beat Edmonton on Wednesday? Uh, what do you think? Well, Ryan Petrinka said his Twitter handle is at Ryan Petrinka. Uh, they're favorites, but they have a league game in Atlanta three days later. It'll be tough to win both games. To be honest, if we don't win the Atlanta game, I'm totally cool with that as long as we advance to the next round in the Voyagers Cup. I really want that impact road game. That's my highest priority this season. Yeah, the, the spring season, like we're one-third done the spring season right now. We got three points. Um, it's, it's, it's a joke. Like, like nine-game season. It's, yeah, it's yeah, kind it's of funny, like, too. We lost the first two games. And now we have one win, and all of a sudden we're six out of ten teams. But at the same time, there's that playoff. The third and fourth team gets in. So there is a reason still to try to get every point in the spring season. Yeah, I mean, we're six, and there's four teams behind us, but we, in the next six games, we played those four teams. So we have a lot of opportunity to move up and hopefully contend. So uh, Timothy, uh, whose Twitter handle is at Timmy... YNC76 says, I think it will be tough traveling west, but the confidence they gained from last game should carry them through. Fingers crossed. That's a hashtag. <laughs> nice, nice hashtag, Timmy. Um, so, I don't know. Like, you can't use travel as an excuse. I know like the Galaxy like to do it. The Whitecaps like to do it. Sorry I'm mentioning MLS on an NESL podcast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like you can't use it as an excuse. In this league, like... Edmonton has been using it as an excuse the last two years. Um, we can't do that. Like we're well, and, and in addition to that, I would just wanted to say, I mean, the timing couldn't be better. We're coming from a 
4-0 win, and uh, Edmonton just uh, lost again. And I think you actually tweeted about that after the the Fury game, didn't you? Saying like it couldn't like couldn't be any better. That we're you said something like that about the confidence. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a huge boost for confidence. I mean, for such a young team and, and a new team, that that confidence that I thought they would have had trouble with if they they lost that game on against Carolina and then lost in Edmonton, they would just kind of downfall. I was kind of worried about that, but the the game when they just crushed Carolina, I think, was a huge boost in confidence. Yeah, we're on an upwards trend. Uh, FC Edmonton's on a downwards trend right now, and it's looking good. It's looking good for Wednesday. I'm confident. I'm more confident than I was two weeks ago. Oh, absolutely. So I'm just having a look here at the schedule right now, and it looks like if we beat Edmonton, we're going to be playing a week later already against Montreal at home, and then the second leg, of course, would be another week later uh, away at uh, at Montreal, so the the schedule would continue to be busy. Um, yeah, like May May seventh at home, and then May fourteenth. So we're still we're gonna have that compact schedule all the way through, and then we have that month off. Yeah, I, I really hope that that we're gonna be able to play against Montreal Impact. I mean, we're probably gonna rent like a giant coach bus or, or some sort of thing like that, and all go to Montreal. I mean, it's only a two hour. Uh, drive for us, isn't it? Yeah, it's just a Wednesday night. That's the only difficult part. Um, but I've heard rumors. There's stuff in the works. So, awesome. be great exposure for the team playing on like national TV. I think Sportsnet's going to cover it. The national exposure of in Montreal, all the papers there, and all the the MLS hype, and hopefully get people out to fill Carlton against that. Oh, that gave me a huge, huge sure. boost. Yeah, I'll sell it for sure. And it, what the the thing I'm a little worried about is uh, the Senators' effect. Like I'm worried there'll be a lot of Impact fans show up at Carlton, but we'll see what happens there. But um, the thing that's really exciting is to go to Saputo and like have that rivalry mm-hmm. start, and then have have the Impact fans take Ottawa seriously, which they should, and and have like that local rival have that there. Yeah, Hopefully, kind of, uh, we'll be able to talk about that more uh, next week when we have beaten uh, Edmonton. And yeah, yeah, not jumping the gun. <laughs> One thing I'm worried about, though, is the fitness level with all these games like so close together and so many of them, and just this just being a new team. Like some guys haven't played a whole season yet, so I'm just worried about maybe like endurance or, or I don't know, physical issues. Yeah, I agree with you, Kendra, and also. Let's not forget that it's only the Canadian teams in the NASL that are having uh, cup games right now. The American teams are, are resting in each midweek and, and training and, and aren't traveling. So uh, there's definitely like a, a double... Um, An advantage for the Americans, yeah. American-based teams. Although they, of course, have to have the, a cup of their own, the, the U.S. Open Cup, a true Open Cup, which I hope we'll one day see in Canada as well. And uh, they'll be playing while the World Cup is going on. And, um, of course, the Canadian teams will be on vacation then and enjoying the, the World Cup from their coach. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the U.S. Open Cup, uh, it starts in May 7th, but the NASL teams, they don't play until uh, May 28th. And then so during that World Cup break, um, the American-based NASL teams are still going to be playing football every week. Uh, well, at least two weeks, depending how good like how good they do, and then um, the Canadian teams are 
send that home, you know. Yeah. Hopefully. So you guys think this is an advantage or a disadvantage for the Canadian teams? I think it's a disadvantage. I think playing a whole, I think starting a really short spring season and then stopping for a month is uh, really disadvantageous. I think you might start to get rusty while the American teams are playing, still playing. Yeah, there's that concern. The, the other thing that could be an advantage is, in, you know, get those injuries healed up, you know, Tommy, and make sure all those knocks are, are gone. And, and then hopefully uh, some of the NASL sides get some knocks because the teams they play, like the USL pro teams, they're not friendly teams. Like, they don't play nice with each other. That's so. an awful thing to, to say to wish injuries on other teams. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, not wishing injuries. I'm just saying there's more opportunity for injury. And, and we have opportunity to heal up, but like what Blogsmith said, the same thing, like hopefully, you know, the Santos keeps these guys, keeps their energy level up and keeps them intense. And yeah. we don't lose because we're on, we're on a roll with the intensity right now. There's going to be definitely some American teams. Uh, I think most likely the Carolina Railhawks and the New York Cosmos who, are, who could potentially make a run to maybe the, the quarter semis or maybe even the final. I think uh, the Cosmos are really trying to push to win that U.S. Open Cups. Yeah, it's their only way. It's the only way NESL teams can get into Champions League, unfortunately. So I thought it's uh, a big part of the Cosmos. Sorry to go on a bit of a tangent here, but I just because you mentioned the Cosmos, uh, I saw they lost yesterday against San Antonio. I just thought that was great, uh, just because you know it shows that the NASL is a competitive league and it's not going to be like a one-horse race from the start. So Barcelona, Real Madrid. <laughs> yeah, with Minnesota and, uh, and the Cosmos. Uh. Yeah, I mean, next week, I mean, Minnesota has won all their games and who's top of the table will face Minnesota or Minnesota will face the Cosmos next week, oh. which could be a title divide, a defining game. So early on in the season. Hopefully that's the ESPN3 game of the week. I would, if hope, I would if imagine smart, it is. If they're smart, they'd make that the ESPN3 game of the week. The two top teams. Yeah, I don't think the uh, Atlanta-Ottawa game is going to be that game. No? <laughs> okay, so we'll take a short break, and we'll be right back after this. Welcome back to the third part of Ours is the Fury podcast. The last thing we need to address is uh, the next NASL game, which will be uh, one week from today. We're recording this on a Sunday, so Saturday, May 3rd, when we'll be playing the uh, Atlanta Silverbacks away from home. Um, all I really know about the Silverbacks so far is what I've seen when I watched the game yesterday when they beat uh, Tampa Bay 3-1. What about you, Ryan? You've been watching the NSL quite a bit longer than I have. Well, Atlanta was a much better team last year, I can tell you that. Uh, this year, they haven't looked good at all. Uh, well, they, they did well last week there. They, they won that game, but uh, yesterday, they didn't look that hot. Um, I think they're a team on the downward trend. I don't think they're on the upwards. It'd be interesting to see what happens with Atlanta in the next couple of years, like off the pitch, too. But Given that they have an MLS team coming in, yeah. Yeah, see what that's a mess, too, but... Uh, yeah, the team uh, the team doesn't look as good. Like they they're kind of all over the place. They're chasing balls. They, they look crazy. Yeah, they won the uh, the spring season last year, and then it fell apart quickly for them. They had a terrible fall season. Yeah, uh, no soccer court. bowl they lost to the Cosmos. Yeah, I believe. Um, leaving the off season, uh, they fired their coach Eric Winalda. 
the U.S. Uh, national, became the coach, and I, I believe they kept three starters. Wow. Last year and so it's like a completely different team, eh? They're like yeah. an expansion team, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of hard to tell if their first two games were much less the same as Ottawa's as they're trying to figure out. And the third game where they beat Tampa pretty handily, they could have had at least two or three more goals. Yeah, they missed a penalty. And like also, like when they were like 3-1 up, they sort of took it easy. Like they could have attacked Tampa a lot more. There was a lot of opportunities there for them to score a couple more goals but you you could just tell they were, they were happy with the with the result and sort of parked the bus a bit yeah well with the tampa game too uh pickens uh he was a keeper with colorado uh rapids last year and uh he was a big signing for tampa bay but he i hate to say this but he's pretty much single-handedly lost a game for tampa yesterday well he did save a penalty let's not well that. yeah but saved it from being 4-1 instead mm-hmm. of 3-1 so but he didn't look good at all. He made some serious mistakes yesterday. Yeah, it's so. funny you mentioned um, Matt Perkins because he was uh, he was the goalie in Colorado who Clint Irwin came in, and Clint Irwin was a former keeper for the Capital City FC in the old CSL days. So who should we watch out for in the squad from Atlanta? Well, I think uh, Mike Randolph at right back. Former uh, USI under twenty three, I think he played for the LA Galaxy as well. So really good. David Estranda, uh, Seattle Sounders loner, Loney. I think Ryan knows a lot about him being from a being from Seattle. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah. Being a big Seattle fan. Being a big Seattle. <laughs> and uh, their their goalie, which I unfortunately got injured uh, early last game. I think from what I uh, from what I heard, he's going to be out for the game against the Fury. So. Was his but name? The, gay, uh, the guy that uh, re- replaced him, Eric Ati, like he, uh, I think he did a pretty good job and was named man of the match. Yeah, he did really well. I mean, I don't think Tampa played that well. They're probably one of the weaker sides uh, this year so far. Now, did you guys hear about uh, the Atlanta Silverbacks uh, ultra group that some of them were banned from their for their first couple home games because of their behavior or something like uh, that? I think they're just banned from hanging out together is that right yeah they are not allowed to gather together as a group and watch the game and look like a group they have to be spread out and they can't sit in the usual section that they're supposed to sit in so i don't yeah i don't know what happened or what went down but they're not allowed to be a group that's kind of a pathetic response i don't know what they did but yeah, the team's blaming the league, and the league's like, no, we we didn't do any of this. <laughs> They're blaming the team. Now, was that the same supporters that were uh, watching the Tampa uh, game last last night as well? There was like a ultra group. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if they did. I don't think they were allowed to. I know the commentators during the game mentioned that they were the the, the Atlanta Ultras, but I I think that kind of goes against. Yeah, and they they look I don't know they look a little different. Like the the guys I saw last year during the New York game, they were a little more hardcore, hardcore looking. Yeah, the guys I'd probably cross the street if I saw. <laughs> so maybe uh, at this point we can talk a little bit about uh, supporter culture so far in, in in Ottawa. I mean we've we've touched uh, on this in previous podcasts. I mean, like from a Stony Monday Riot perspective, it's going really well. Like we're recruiting new members, and we had a great FIFA tournament um, put on by uh, one of our members, and uh, we're pretty happy with uh, the way things are going. 
And uh, Ryan, maybe you can talk a little bit about the other groups. Yeah, and, uh, I think uh, Bytown Boys, they announced yesterday online that there are 18 paid members. And I know they have a lot more members than just the paid members. They have a lot of casual members, so sounds like they're doing pretty good. Um, Stony Monday Ride, it's just people showing up out of nowhere. So uh, I, I actually have to take the time and like meet some of these people and say hi. Um, and, and the Fury Ultras, there's, there's still a small group, but they're a loud group. Uh, for, for their size, they do very well. And uh, if you're interested in any of these groups, like find your home. Like find, you know, check out each group online and go go stand with whatever group during the game and you know find your home and like yeah, there's and, definitely something um, out there for everyone. Um, like I just I don't want to speak for any of the other groups. So what I would suggest or what Ryan you have suggested earlier um, off the podcast was maybe to make like a, a a podcast special on the different supportive groups where we can go into like more detail what, what each group stands for and maybe invite a guest from each group onto the pod. Yeah, I think that'd be good. Like then everyone can represent what they're about and and then, you know, tell the world what they're about and then everyone can have a, a good game day experience, you know. And uh, before I forget, I wanted to ask uh, Kendra um, who her favorite player on the, on the team is. My favorite player? Mm. My favorite player is Sanisha Ubi Parapolich because I I uh, I really love midfielders and I think he he plays that position very well. Yeah, and it's good to see him back from injury so so quickly. I was worried that he would be out for a much longer time, and I'm, I still can't pronounce his name, so I'm not gonna attempt it at this point. Um, Blocksmith, who's your favorite player so far? I think so far. That's a tough one. They've all they've all played so well, but I think Oliver has really done really well. Yeah. Not just the three goals. He's been that helps. <laughs> it does help. <laughs> but I think he's been a, the most dynamic up front. Uh, I think there's sometimes where he's just he looks leagues ahead of the players he's playing against. So Ryan obviously has a huge crush on Donatelli. I mean, every time he sees him, he just blushes, and he has this really red head. And <laughs> well, foot, football-wise, like I've seen him play two games, you know, down in Rochester, and then I've seen him play a full, complete game here and and the Edmonton game. But like last game, he looked like you said he played close to a perfect game. I did think I wanted to add when you said that he was out of position a few times, so. Um, but I don't think I think uh, honestly, Ubi Parapovich has been the game changer for for the Fury. Like when when he came back, everything changed. Like he's just really good at being in the right place at the right time, and he knows exactly what to do with the ball whenever he gets it, and um, makes really great plays. Really, really fun to watch. I can't say anything bad about him. <laughs> but I'm waiting for Patterson to come back. I think that will change the team dynamic again. Like. Like not having Nikki is a big deal too. So yeah, and of course Richie Ryan has looked great out there, and you know it's good that he's the captain because he's a real leadership figure and he he has a great presence out there. Maybe the last game not so much as the game before, but I think uh, the last game, like the Edmonton game, I think you're talking about. I think he had one of the worst halves in the first half, and then I think. He had one of the best halves I've seen played by the, a Fury player in the second half. Do you think he's a hot cold player? I think so. 
Yeah. I think it's too early to say. We'll have to. We need more data, you know. Yeah, we need to watch all their old games from all. <laughs> oh their yeah, because we have so much time on our hands. <laughs> but yeah, he's not. He's not dynamic. He's. He does his job very well, and I just thought during that Edmonton game, he just kind of took on that leadership role, and I think he tried to take over that game, and I think he did. Unfortunately, it didn't lead to a goal, but. So. Sorry, yeah. sorry to interrupt, but something I find interesting is there's no one really that we're going, like there's no Nick Garcia on this team, you know? Like there's no guy where we're like, oh, him, like, yet. Well, in the preseason... <laughs> we don't want one. In, yeah, the pre- want one. in the preseason, Omar Jeroen had that role a little bit, you know, where we're like, oh, no, he's going to get a red card. Oh, no, he's going to be out of position. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's a card liability, but we, we haven't seen the best of him. And I don't know if we've seen the worst of him. We don't know yet. Like, it's too early. Yeah, for like, sure. Like, we've seen three three league games, or two league games, and three preseason games. So it's too early to judge. But we'll He does see. play in a position where there's not a lot of depth. I mean, they're bringing, basically, when Jorin was out, they're basically bringing Becky from the right to the center and then putting Fusenga out there. So there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of depth there. I think Soria might be able to play center back. But. Oh, speaking of center backs, I think Mason Trafford, I think I mentioned this before, I think he did an amazing job. And uh, also there was an interview um, on the Red Nation uh, interview podcast series, which uh, I would recommend you guys check out. It was really good. He seems like a nice guy, and he has a brother in, in Finland, Charlie Trafford. And they just seem like a cool family, you know, they're all soccer players, and he went to China, and like, I don't know, I like this guy, because he, he's unconventional. He did his time. <laughs> yeah. He did his time in China. Do we know anything about uh, Mekon? I know he went down. He got uh, he got yeah. taken off. Wait, he's holding. Is there any information? I don't know. I don't know if it's a serious injury or not. Uh, Kendra, do you know? I have no information. Sorry. Let's, we'll let's, see. let's hope it's not. I mean, let's hope we see him Wednesday. Yeah, it'll it'll be good to have him back, and uh, and uh, that pretty much. Uh, concludes the uh, ours is the fury episode number four i hope you guys enjoyed it if you want to follow the podcast on twitter the twitter handle is at ottawa fury and uh, if you want to follow any of our uh, podcast members on twitter they're going to tell you their handle right now kendra how can people get in touch with you on twitter i am crooked beats on twitter uh, you can follow my genius uh, tweets at uh, at blog fury fc yeah, especially when you start arguments with legit journalists. And, uh, <laughs> like I'm a did. bully, what can I say? <laughs> um, I can uh, be reached at fuspa underscore A. And I can be reached at, at coxon, C-O-X-O-N. See you all next week. Peace.
uh, you know, um, blah, 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 cut. <laughs> <laughs>